0: But good morning, everyone. I'm Julie, an associate pastor here at South Portland Church. Some of you know my husband, who happens to be our senior pastor. And see, to you guys, he's Pastor AJ, the spiritual leader. And he's that to us as well. But he's also the guy that I want to remember to take out the trash and to make the bed every day. But we'll get back to that later. But it's awesome to be with you guys this morning. Most Sundays, I'm usually on the other end of the building, having a blast with your kids. But I thought I would bring a little bit of that fun here today for you guys. And today we're starting a brand new series called At The Movies. We're going to finish up our summer with this. And in this four-week series, um, hopefully it will not only be a lot of fun, but impactful as we look at some of Hollywood's biggest genres and hits, and along the way, unpack some spiritual truths for our lives. And see, when it comes to movies, people have their different preferences. Some people like science fiction, and some people like history or musicals. Some people like dramas. Uh, Some people even like scary movies. No, thank you. That is not my idea of a good time. But like I said, we have different tastes in movies. And Pastor AJ, um, he really loves action movies and superheroes. And so he's going to be talking to you guys about that next week. And then there's Disney movies. How many of you guys like Disney movies? Good. Pastor TJ and Pastor Amanda are going to be talking about some Disney movies. I think we're going to have a lot of fun over these next four weeks as we look at this. But to start off... Um, I'm going to tell you that my favorite kind are love love stories. Um, I love romantic comedies, and so to start off today we're going to play a little trivia game looking at some of the great love um, stories from over the years. So I'm going to have some things come up on the screen, and I'm going to have my assistant pastor, AJ, is going to help me to sweeten the deal. If you get one of these right, you can get some of my favorite movie theater candy. So um, you're going to have to help me look because I can't really see everybody. So So we're gonna put something up on the screen. If you know, it's either a picture from a movie, and you have to raise your hand and tell us what movie it's from, or it's a quote maybe from a movie and see if you can tell us what movie that's from, or it gives a synopsis of a movie. So a couple things going on, but we're gonna see these. So the first one says, what movie is this from? Ooh, I saw a hand before I even read it. Oh yes, marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. One of my favorites, Princess Bride. That was good. A quick reader, Ellen. <laughs> Alright, here's the next one. A woman goes undercover as a high school student and falls in love with a teacher. Never been kissed. <laughs> yes. no. Never been kissed. Yep, Drew Barrymore. Alright, next one. Faced with deportation, female executive says she's engaged to her hapless assistant. <laughs> The Proposal, yes, Sandra Bullock and The Proposal. All right, next one. An epic romance set during the maiden voyage of a ship. Yes. (laughs) All right, our next one. What famous 90s (laughs) rom-com? Pretty Woman, yep. I think this is the last one. Film tells the story of a young couple in love in the 1940s through the words of an elderly man in a nursing home. In the current times, he's telling the story to a female nursing home resident. Was that a man? Oh, good job. That was it, right? Okay. Wow. You guys really know your love stories. I'm glad you actually got all of those so that I could know that you know what I'm going to be talking about a little bit today, but today we're going to be talking about love, these love stories. And I figured I'd start off by just giving you a little bit of the background about my love story. See, I grew up as a kid in the Nazarene Church um, in Maryland, and um, as a teenager at that church, I met my eventual husband, A.J., and A.J. and I have been married, um, and now we have five beautiful kids, and I think we have a picture of our family, yep. And um, just last month in July, A.J. and I actually celebrated our 21st wedding anniversary. So, our own little love story has been going on for over two decades now. And that kind of leads us to what I want to talk to you about today. It's this very simple yet powerful word, love. I wanna talk about love and this absolutely incredible idea that the God of the universe, the one who made the heavens and the earth, also uniquely created you. He loves you so much and he has a great and remarkable plan for your life. And this really is the greatest love story in the history of the world. It's God's story for you and for me and it's a story he's inviting us to enter. Well, like I said, AJ and I have now been married for 21 years and in that time, there's been a lot of things that we've agreed on. And then there have been some things that we have not always seen eye-to-eye on. And one of those things that we haven't seen eye-to-eye on was a topic that came up in a graduation event that we were helping to run. You see, back in Maryland, I worked in the front office at my kids' school, and it was a private Christian school, and so every year we would help with the graduation. It went from kindergarten to eighth grade, so the kids were moving up to high school, they would have this graduation event. And it was kind of a big deal because most of these kids had been together for like nine years. Nine years of their life with the same kids. And so I was running the sound booth and AJ was helping me out and I was getting emotional and tearing up thinking about just my kids and them growing up over time. And AJ's, you know, the typical man over there laughing at me. He was like throwing tissues at me as it was going on. But then the graduation speaker came up to give the big speech to, you know, inspire the kids. And what he came and he started talking about was something that that struck home with us. You see, he came up and he said he had done some research about how to give a graduation speech, and he ran across a graduation speech that had gotten over 6 million views on YouTube. And what he said really started to get my attention because it was on the exact issue that AJ and I have not seen eye to eye on for 21 years in our marriage. So the graduation speech that got all these views, the speaker started to talk about the importance of making your bed every single morning when you get up. (laughs) And again, this has been an issue in our marriage for two decades. So seriously, I have a picture of our bed that I literally just took yesterday. Can you guess what side of the bed is mine? <laughs> yes, I love having a, med, a, a bed that's made. And so I was loving this speaker, and I was listening on, and it said that he said, if you wake up in the morning and you make your bed, you will have succeeded in the first task of the day. And that will encourage you to go on throughout the day and succeed in next steps and next steps. But if for some reason, something goes disastrously wrong in your day, at least when you come home and walk into your bedroom at night, you'll see that your bed is made, and you can get in it knowing that you at least succeeded in one thing that day." Now, at this point, I turned to AJ, and I was like, in your face, this is the best message ever, better than anything you've ever preached. And I was feeling pretty good about myself, like, yes! But then the speaker at the graduation, talking about this video, goes on, and he says, can you believe that there are actually people in this world that wake up every day and make their bed? And I froze. And I was like, I didn't want to look at AJ. I knew that he had a grin on his face and was probably like fist pumping. But then the speaker went on to say, the only area in life that he tries to be an overachiever at is sleeping as much as possible. And he said the five minutes it takes to make your bed could be five more minutes of glorious sleep. And if he stays in bed until the last possible moment, then he has achieved his first goal of the day, to sleep more. And he said if his day goes entirely wrong, when he comes back home, it's so very efficient to just crawl back into an unmade bed. And then he went on and on and talked about all these artistic and intelligent people like Albert Einstein who never made their bed. Now, before I go on any further, I just thought I would do one of these crowd participation things to see where this is landing with you guys. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you're someone who makes the bed every single day oh my gosh, yes, there are some of my people out there. Okay, this is awesome. So well, to make it worse, after the event, we were riding home with my girls, and I'm thinking they would console me, their mother who gave life to them, and they were like, man, Dad's so right in this. This is so awesome. Now we don't ever have to make our beds again. And I was just, oh. So well, while it's kind of a funny story, and it's something that maybe you don't think much about, it's kind of funny how it's something that I've struggled with. There seriously have been days where we've had a long day I was out of bed first in the morning, and I would come home and see the bed unmade, and all I could think was, does AJ even care about me? Does he even really love me? See, my perception was a little bit mixed up, but seriously. So today I want to talk about our perceptions of love, and I want to share a simple truth that for some reason is so hard for us to grasp sometimes. I mean, it's so simple. I've had it memorized since I was a kid, and yet I still need to be reminded of it. And I truly believe that if we can grasp this one truth, that one day we will hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And this command that I'm talking about is God's command to each of us to love. So we're gonna turn right now into Mark chapter 12, verse 28. It's gonna come up on the screen too. But this is what it says. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? So I'm gonna stop here for a second and do a little bit of background before we go on. Before Jesus's, during Jesus' three years um, ministry on earth, he started to gain a lot of popularity and a following by the regular ordinary everyday people. And the religious leaders started to get upset about this and they thought that they were gonna be losing their power and influence. So they would send people, their best legal experts at times, to come and ask these questions to Jesus. They thought if they threw these deep theological questions out and they could trick them and get him to trip up in what he was saying. Jesus wasn't dumb, he knew exactly what he was doing. So a lot of times they would come and they would ask these questions and Jesus would just turn it around and ask them a silly question, like a question back and then they would be like stumped and they would be the ones looking silly. Or another thing that he would do is they would ask him a question and he would immediately go into a parable, a story. And so um, then he would go into this thing to teach a spiritual truth. But this time it's so interesting because they ask a question, Jesus doesn't even go into any of those, He just answers it directly. Here's what he says. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So there we have it, church. All we need to do is love. Easy, right? And who do we need to love? We are commanded to love God, and then in verse 31 it says to love others. So I wanna just take a few minutes and look at these three areas regarding love. The first one is to love God. Really, if we could just get this one idea down, everything else would fall into place. In verse 30, again, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So basically, we are called to love God with everything that we are and everything that we have, giving him first place in our lives. And this way of loving God includes obeying his commands, like the Ten Commandments, and believing his word, which are things that the Bible teaches. It'll include thanking him for the gifts and talents that he's given us, for the friends and family in our lives, for the people, and all the blessings that he's given us. And loving God fully and wholeheartedly will impact our relationships. It'll impact what goes on in our home and how we conduct ourselves at school and at work, Loving God fully can be transformational. It'll infiltrate not just our words, but our behaviors. So let me ask you this question. How many of you guys have got it all together in your lives? Yeah, me neither. I don't think any of us, right? I mentioned earlier that I grew up in a Nazarene church, but I didn't just casually attend church. Like our family was in church every time the doors were open. My parents actually had keys and we were there when the doors weren't open. As a teenager I served in the church and then I went to Eastern Nazarene College and eventually married a pastor, so I think I could probably go toe-to-toe with most people my age about time spent in church, but when it comes to this deal to love God, it isn't easy. I have to admit that. In our church here we talk a lot about taking next steps. We say there are no perfect people, And that every one of us, whether we're still figuring out what we believe about God or we've been a believer for 50 years has a next step to take in our relationship with Jesus. All of us are still a work in progress. And this concept of truly living to love God continues to be an area where I am growing in grace. And loving God as everything is a life-changing next step. Because if we can love God first and make Him our first love, we will love others and even ourselves better which leads to the next two important areas, number two and number three, to love others and yourself. In Mark 12:31, it says, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So I wanna spend a little bit of time here looking at the yourself part and the neighbor's part, which is the others. See, our identity as followers of Jesus is found in Christ. When we focus on loving God, then we can embrace the fact that we are also loved by God and start to see our value. Something that I'm a little bit passionate about is seeing others develop their strengths and their talents and then using them for God. Loving yourself is really about getting to know yourself and starting to see yourself the way that God sees you. So how do you see yourself? As I shared with you guys earlier, I love a good love story. I love the movies about a character who doesn't really believe in themselves and what they have to offer, but then somebody comes along and helps them to see themselves the way that they should be seen, and it makes all the difference. Three of the most iconic Hollywood actresses who have been in romantic comedies through the years are Drew Barrymore, Julia Roberts, and Sandra Bullock. In the movie Never Been Kissed, Barrymore plays a journalist named Josie Gellner, who's always single and kind of awkward, and she thinks that she needs to change herself some way to fit in. And in the classic movie Pretty Woman, Julia Roberts plays a prostitute named Vivian Ward, who grew up believing that she was bad, and that her mistakes and her poor choices made her unqualified for love. In the movie, The Proposal, Sandra Bullock plays Margaret Tate, a rude, demanding workaholic who hides behind her position and power in a tough exterior because she's too scared to let people know her real self. But in each of these stories, when these women were loved and learned to love themselves, they were able to finally receive love and love others. I think we're drawn to these movies because we see the impact that love has. See, the Bible says that God views you as way more than just a sinner saved by grace. He calls you by name. He calls you his daughter and his son. You are uniquely and meticulously crafted by God. You're loved by the King. Did you know that in the history of the world there has never been and there never will be a person exactly like you? And God wants to do great things with your life. If you can't see it and perceive it for yourself, then you can't receive it, so how do you see yourself? I believe that God gives us hopes and dreams and desires. He gives us boldness and resilience and courage. He's made us good good at some things and horrible at other things. What is something that gets your imagination going? What fills you with a deep sense of meaning and purpose? What draws you closer to God? That's about ourselves. Now what about others? I know that we've talked about this here, but did you guys ever remember learning about the redwood forest in school? It's one of my favorite things to talk about. An American icon that we sing about in everything. The redwoods are one of the tallest trees on the earth, and they can live up to 2,000 years, but did you know that they're a miracle? Because their roots cannot support them, they should just fall over, but they don't. Check out this clip about redwoods.
1: grew up by miles of redwood trees. Tall, strong, and beautiful. And I learned a couple of things. That redwoods are the tallest trees in the world. They are some of the strongest, most resilient. Storms and fires cannot take them. And they are Latin for the term forever living. But their roots don't even run that deep. They are only that strong and they only live that long because their roots intertwine with other surrounding redwood trees. Alone, a redwood won't grow as tall and can sometimes be blown over by the weather. But in a forest of redwoods, underneath the soil surface, there's millions of roots connected and they are better together. And when I think of these redwoods, I think of us here. I think of how often we try to go through life by ourselves, the times we've been hurt, the times we've been left, the times we've been damaged by someone else. And so we decide that we are just fine all alone. But God says, that's not what I created you for. Jesus was passionate about people and community and believed the church was the hope of the world. He calls it a family because here we find our identity calls it a temple because we're like pieces that come together to build and hold up one another. He calls it a flock of sheep because we're cared for by the same shepherd. He calls it a body because we're all different parts and no purpose or function is like the other. He calls it his bride because the church is the love of his life. And he calls it a vine or a garden because we're only productive when we're connected lost have hope through it. He says the hurt are healed through it. He says that we must love, forgive, and fight to protect it because the community of the church is his absolute favorite. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Much like a Redwood Morris, we need to survive, we need to hold on to one another, intertwine, stand firm against the trials of this life. The gate of hell will not have victory when we are the church God wants us to be. So let's be redwoods, alone, they can't do much, but together they are miraculous, together they are brilliant, together they hold each other up, so no storms, no hell can The church, the bride, the body, the temple, the flock, the family, the garden, the forest of redwoods whatever you want to call it, God says we're better together. So no matter the weather, fight for it. We were made to grow here. We were made to stand tall here. We were made to be a part of this forest here with each other representing the creation of
0: See, in addition to ourselves, love is also about realizing that God has made every person in the world with their own unique gifts and talents to make a contribution to the world. We are better together. See, none of us were meant to do life alone, and we can't even live out the greatest commandment alone because it involves loving others, even the crazy people who don't make the bed. Jesus told his friends that letting people see the way that we love each other would be the best way for people to know about him because people grow where they are loved and accepted. See, I don't think God always wants us to tell people what they need to do, but instead he wants us to tell people who they are and that they're loved by him and by us. So going back to the graduation night, the speaker finished the message by saying this, that it doesn't really matter if you make your bed every day or if you don't, if you're a dreamer into detail, an artist or an architect, he said, we need you all. So as we go in life, you can be a person that brings this message of love because you will meet people that not only believe that they are not loved, but they don't even think that they're capable of being loved. But God can use you to be a person who radiates the love that you've been given into a world that needs the love of God. So perhaps the first job when you get up is not deciding if you could sleep more or if you should make your bed, but it's to wake up choosing to love God first in your day knowing that you're loved by Him and then you can make a choice and radiate that love to the world. And imagine what our church community could be like if we together began to live this out, this legacy of love. See, many years ago in a church much like this, there were people that reached out into a neighborhood and loved on a little Hindu Indian boy and they didn't judge him or condemn him even though he was different, they embraced him with open arms. And and because of that, that boy met Jesus and it changed the trajectory of his life. And then I met and fell in love with that boy, it, met, it changed the trajectory of my life as well. It impacted my love story. So how can we as a church love like that? Who are the people in your home, your neighborhood, at work and at school that you can love? How can you show the love of God? If there's one thing I want you to hear from today's message, it's this, that you are loved by God, And because of this amazing love, you're called to love others. So here's my question. How can you show the love of God? What is He speaking to your heart? Who is He asking you to love? You want to experience a greater story? 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. So how can you show the love of God? Well, here's our bottom line the big truth about love that we can learn from Hollywood rom-coms and more importantly from scripture. You do not have to be a perfect person with a perfect life to be loved and to love. See, so many of us get caught up in trying to make ourselves perfect in order to find or be worthy of love. We keep trying to lose weight, get a new job, change the way we talk and dress, But if there's one thing that I've learned from watching romantic comedies that's actually supported by scripture, it's this. You could have been awkward and single all your life like Drew Drew Barrymore's character Josie Gellner and never been kissed, had a bad rep and made bad decisions in your life like Julia Roberts' character uh, Vivian Ward in Pretty Woman, or even have some personality issues and weaknesses in character like Sandra Bullock's character Margaret Tate in The Proposal, but make no mistake about it, God still deems you worthy of love because when God looks at you, he chooses to love you. What an amazing and unconditional love. He loves you for who you are exactly as you are, weird quirks and personality traits included, and he offers you love, a personal relationship with him for eternity. This is the greatest love story the world has ever seen, and it's a love story offered to you. Can we pray together? I thank you so much that you love us. I thank you for the amazing love that you've given to us and for sending Jesus for us. God, I just pray that you would help us to remember that if we could just get this down, that if our focus in life could be on loving you, that that would make all the difference. And God, through loving you, I just pray that you would help us to learn better ways to love ourselves how would you help us to see ourselves the way that you see us, as loved? And then God, as we learn to love ourselves, I just pray that you would give us this amazing power to be able to love other people. That every person in the world you created, every person we come eyeball to eyeball with, God, matters to you, and so they should matter to us. And God, I just pray that you would help us to be a community of people that when people look at it, love is what they see. Would you help us to love others? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
2: Let's stand together sing together.
3: songs as I often do but every song must end and you never do so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And I know it's not much But I'm nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing Hallelujah response I've got just one move with my arms outstretched I will worship you so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again cause all that I have is a house Oh, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song, cause you've got a lion inside of your lungs, get up and praise the Lord, come on now. so come on my soul, oh don't you get shy on me, lift up your song, cause you've got a lion. A Hallelujah, Hallelujah, and I know it's not much, but I've nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing high.
2: praise you for meeting us in this place this morning. Lord, we, we pray that we would go from this place in love like you loved us first. That we would love those neighbors, that unlo- seemingly unlovable co-worker. That we would love ourselves also because you love us and you see us. Help us to see ourselves like you see us. Lord, be with us now. We love you. We praise you. Help us to go into this community and love others. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless everybody. Come next week for week two. It's going to be exciting. Another world premiere movie next week. There will be more popcorn. There will probably be more snacks. God bless.